want you to just welcome Terry Grice as he comes and shares with us tonight. The day I gave my life to Christ in the county jail, it was a little while before I saw the streets again. I've not, I've not been drunk. I've not been high. Uh, there are other things I maybe shouldn't have done, but I did not do those two major things. Those are the two topics that I promised God. That and read the Bible. I read the Bible all the way through. I was in jail. They sentenced me to go to back to prison, actually. And I, an old preacher came into the jail, and I uh, gave my life to Christ under his tutelage. And uh, nobody said nothing to anybody. It was just known in the tanks back among the prisoners. It didn't go to the judges or my attorney or anybody. And uh, I told the Lord the day I gave my life to Christ, I said, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through, word for word. I'm going to read every word in the Bible. Now, at that time, to a guy who don't read the Bible, that was I felt like I was doing something that probably would make the Lord like me a little better than he might have. And so I, I read the Bible. It took me 44 days. I've always been a real good reader, and uh, I can read pretty fast, especially if I'm not trying to retain the knowledge, right? If you're not studying, you can whip it right out. And uh, all I wanted to do, I, I told the Lord, I said, I, I'm going to do this, Lord, uh, but I want you to teach me. One thing I knew when I gave my life to Christ, this comes, this that I'm going to say tonight comes from seeds that I knew long before I came into the presence of God. People would sit and dispute and disagree about the Bible, and it would get sometimes a little uh, uproarious, but nowhere in the room would there be a Bible. Nobody would seek out a Bible. Nobody would care what the Bible said because it's a demonic thing to dispute in things like that. And it's just you against me with the same demon influencing us both. I believe that. I don't think it takes two demons for two eggheads to shoot each other or beat each other in the head with bats. I think one demon does that to two good people. But I knew that I'd seen a lot of that. And so I told the Lord, I said, I'm going to read your Bible all the way, and I want you to teach me. And I never meant nothing more in my life. You can tell that's true. I've not went back. I've not fallen away. I have not, I've not drank alcohol. I've not uh, been high. I've not taken pills, smoked dope, or any of those things. Smoking dope don't make no difference no more. I still don't do it. But, uh, but the Word... And, and because of when I, I read the Word all the way through in 44 days, and during the time that I laid there in the cell and read the book, uh, this book, God's Word, something shifted. And they came down one day and they said, uh, the judge wants to see you. And in those days when I was in jail, they kept me in solitary confinement all the time I was there. They weren't allowed to open the door to my cell unless there were three guards there. And, uh, and, and when they uh, took me out, I said, what does the judge want to see me for? And they said, we don't know. But they took me, to, and I was calm. I was cool because I had given my life to Christ. And let me tell you, I changed like that. 
The Holy Spirit came on me, and when I read the Bible, like I say, it took me 44 days. I read from the time they turned the lights on in the morning till the time they shut them off at night. I would pray before I would open my Bible. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless me as I read, study, and meditate. Help me to learn, grow, bless me that I would be able to serve you through the knowledge you provide. And then when I would close it in the evening, I would say, thank you, Lord, for what you've shown me. I never failed to do that. And I finished it. And, but this day, they took me up before the judge. I won't mention his name. <clears throat> Not that, I mean, he's a friend of mine now, but <clears throat> just to keep personalities out of it. They took me before the judge, and the judge, I said, what do you want with me? And he said, Terry, you've done a lot of time in prison. He said, we gave you a lot of time in prison. I had done several years in prison at this time and several years in jail. He said, and then through all this time, we've never tried to help you. All we wanted to do is keep you off the streets. And uh, we think it's time that maybe we tried to do something. Well, they had already offered me a life sentence to go back with a, uh, an after former conviction. They had already said, we're going to give you another after former conviction. It'd be 20 to life. And uh, he takes me up there and tells me this. I knew right away. Something was going on with God. I knew right away something was happening because I hadn't said a word to anybody. Just me and the preacher was all that knew this. I was in a cell all by myself. I wasn't allowed to talk to other inmates. The guards didn't want to talk to me. And so it was my secret. It was me and Jesus. And uh, I, said, I told the judge, I said, okay, uh, what do you want to do? He said, would you go to a treatment center? I said, sure. So I wasn't even going to tell this till Margaret opened up the can of worms. But the, uh, he said, okay, would you, would you go to a treatment center? And I said, sure. And he, I said, how long will it be? And he said, I don't know, six months or a year. And I said, okay, I'll go. Whatever. I didn't care. At that point, I really didn't care. I figured God was in control of my life, and I was going to let him have whatever he wanted of me. I was willing to give it up at that time. And I still feel that way. I, I still have that same attitude. But so they sent me to a treatment center. It turned out to be for a six-month thing. Uh, no, it was a 90-day thing. We thought it was going to be six months. And when we got to the treatment center, they said, it's only 90 days. So I said, okay, so what? So I stayed the 90 days. In the 90 days I was there, the word was coming back up out of me. I was astonished at my own ability to retain that kind of... The Bible is a big book. A lot of things were coming back up out of me. I was ministering to other drug abusers, alcoholics, prostitutes off the street. It was a men and women's facility. All, I mean, thieves, drug dealers, whatever. And the, the scriptures were coming up out of me. And I knew then that this was the stuff, that this was a real deal, that God was real and that he was with me and that he had a plan for me or I wouldn't be knowing all that he was bringing back up out of me. So I stayed there 90 days. My 90 days were up and I was like, you know, I mean, it got to be 89 days and I was going, wow, and another day they're kicking me out, you know, back to the flow, back to the street, Right? Back to the drugs, back to the alcohol, back to the, the flow of, of riotous living. 
And the old preacher that I gave my life to in the jail showed up the day I was supposed to get out. And he said, come with me to the church. I went to the church and I said, what am I doing here? He said, you're going to be my minister of jails and prisons. He said, I see it in you. God has got a plan for you. And I said, okay, whatever. He took me, gave me an office. (laughs) He gave me an office, had a computer in it. I didn't know nothing about a computer. I I don't think I could plug one up. And uh, he said, sit it. He said, you got 90 days. See, you have to be out of jail six months before you can go back to the jail, even to visit. And so, and I had been 90 days. So he said, you got 90 more days before you can go to the jail. He said, I want you to sit right in this office every day. I'm going to give you a paycheck. And he said, learn to run that computer. So I, I went in that room and I sat down and I started playing with that computer and wrote a few things and uh, put them together, uh, things about me and God and things that I needed off my chest and out of my life. And it turned out to be a wonderful thing. I ministered to myself through the spirit that dwelled within me. I wrote these, I wrote these things, my, my little life story. And it was a shockingly amazing good read. And uh, really, it was funny. And, and, and so, and it was just, I mean, it was, it was my heart. I talked about things. I just cried. As I, as I wrote that thing, I just, and believe me, I, you know, I type like this. I, don't, I try not to use this. It hits too many buttons. <laughs> and, and so I got this thing did. But I made it through that time, and I went to the jail, uh, Arnold Peoples was the sheriff at that time. Now, earlier when I came back to Guyman from prison before they put me in jail, Arnold Peoples had come to my house and he said, I was laying out underneath my old pickup working on it and I seen a cop car pull up and I thought, oh, Lord. And uh, they, I heard it. You know, you can always hear those cop cars when they put them in park. They've got that whine. Some of you guys know. <sighs> and I seen the cop. I was looking out from underneath the truck and I seen his uniformed legs walk over towards me, and my heart was going thump, 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 thump. And this voice said, Terry? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, it's Arnold Peoples. I'd like to talk to you. I said, okay. So I got out and stood up right front to him, and he said, I want you to know you're never going to be in my jail again. He said, nobody is going to bring you and put you in my jail. I'm not going to have you in my jail. You are barred from my jail. And I've told all my officers to leave you alone. And if you get in trouble, somebody's liable to shoot you. But he said, you are not going in my jail. I've not been in that jail except the day that I gave my life to Christ. uh, Out here in Texas County. But uh, Arnold had told me that. And when... This pastor said, you can go back out there and start preaching. I went out and started. Arnold was the sheriff, and I've been doing it ever since. A few times I've left town, and when I'm gone, they just keep a slot for me. And when I come back, I go right back out there. We've led thousands of men to the Lord, and now we've since I've been in Victory Center, 
now, I had prison ministry before this, but in Victory Center, my ministry has grown with the support of, of the church and the congregation and the prayers and all those things that are godly. Uh, we've I don't know how many thousands of men we've had give their lives to Christ through the prison ministry. But uh, all that aside, I have to read the Word. I have to keep something bubbling. I had an old Baptist priest. I would drive many miles back in those days to get around somebody that the fire of God burned in. There was an old Baptist preacher lived up in Kenton, name of Grice. I used to drive up there to see him because he welcomed me, and, and he was interested in what I was doing. And I went up to see him one day, and he said, what are you preaching today, Terry? And I said, I ain't preaching nothing. I'm just out visiting you. And he said, no, no, you have to keep it bubbling. He said, you have to have something going all the time. And I said, okay. And on the way home, I thought about that. And he was right, you know, because that's all. I, the only time I ever felt good is when I was reading the Word. I would sit and watch football games with the Bible open in my lap. And uh, slowly but surely, God was getting it all. And uh, time went by, and, and as I came to realize more and more that my strength, my power, and what God's call for my life was all pertain to the Scriptures, all of it. And I've read, and I've studied, and I've carried on, and... Uh, Golly, uh, I was, I was going to talk to y'all about that, but I guess, no, we're, we're still going to talk about that. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 14 and 15. Uh, I didn't want to come in here with anything real deep because uh, y'all don't, I don't need to teach you guys nothing. I want to tell you something. I want you to know something that I've discovered. 2 Timothy, 3rd chapter, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to cut right in in the middle of Paul's uh, conversation to uh, Timothy. He said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. It don't say it will. It says it's capable. It's able to make. If the word is able, the power of the word is in what you do with it. Right. I, I've sat and read it. I don't know how many times before I gave my life to Christ. And it always made me feel great. I mean, even before I was a Christian. And I used to hate hearing these guys sit and, and disagree about the Bible. Because I knew there was a truth. There was a bottom line somewhere that somebody needed to know. I didn't know at that time. It was me. I, did, I had no idea. But if you go to buy a house, you don't just look in the door. You go in and you go through the thing. And you look at, the, if you buy a car, you get under it, over it, through the hood, back, everything else. 
When I read the word, I read every word. But the scriptures are merely doors. It's a door you can go through. You can know what God said, what he did, what he promises. Okay, what you going to do about it? You have to do something with that. Now, uh, because I feel that way, I'm, I'm a scripture dissecting, surgical, word splitting maniac. I've got more. My kitchen table, I've not seen the top of my kitchen table in I don't know how long. And it's all Bibles, books, dictionaries, Bible things, all. I mean, it's, it's what I do. But, uh, and it's because I know how deep you can go in the Word. And I'm going to show you. I'm not just talking. I'm going to show you the difference in reading something and, and, uh, and uh, finding something. In the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, verses 6 and 11, you don't have to go there. I'm going to tell you, but you can probably see it. My assistant will help you out. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10th chapter, verses 6 and 11. It tells us that the things that happened in the Old Testament to the, to the children of Israel, what happened to them, happened for our admonition. So don't ever let anybody tell you the first part of the Bible don't pertain to the second. You've you got to get in and get the whole thing. So uh, I wish I wouldn't have talked about myself. It excites me. I'm serious, it does. I'm so pleased with Jesus, I can't begin to tell you. So verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 6 and 11, we read those two things. The 10th verse, I mean the 6th verse says, now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. You can read that yourself and see exactly what it's talking about. But it's talking about the things the Israelites went through. I like to call them the wild bunch. And in verse 11, it's the same thing. Now, all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition unto whom the ends of the world are come. So now, I wanted to come in here with something familiar to everybody, more familiar than my life. 1 Samuel 17, the story of who? Goliath, David and Goliath. First Samuel, everybody knows it. It's a, it's a simple scripture. And so what happened? Uh, David, when he came on the scene and saw what was going on with the Philistine challenging God's army. And you know that kind of insults me when I read this, that this guy would stand up and make cowards out, out, of, out of our God and, and, and the men who serve him. And, but anyway, so it says in, in 1 Samuel 17, 38, And Saul armed David with his armor and put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with thee, for I have... I have not proved them, and David put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones. 
out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. Five smooth stones. Now, he went on, and we all know what happened. after. The, I'm going to have to trim some stuff off. My, It's not hard to trim it off. Uh, so he picks up five smooth stones. He used one on Goliath, right? That leaves four. Now, these are the things that keep me in the Scripture. What did he do with them other four stones? See, this is the thing that we should do. I, I can't say, I've already read that, I don't need to read it again. I've, I, my deal is I've read that, I have to take that apart. I've got to know what the rest is. And these four stones, I went crazy about that for a long time. And here, just a few short years back, the Lord showed me what I needed to know. Uh, Let me find where I, where I can. David, uh, verse 49, 1 Samuel 17, 49. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. And David ran up and cut his head off and took his head to Jerusalem with him. There's a story to go along with that too. But so now he's got four stones left. Now, let me tell you, if God gave me five little rocks and one of them killed a giant, I don't think I would take the other four and throw them back in the brook. I don't think. Would you? I hope you say no. That's, that's why we go back and never quit reading the Bible. That's why we're always taking it apart. Well, what did he do with them four stones? Philippians 1.6, you mentioned it a while ago. He who has begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, look at 2 Samuel. You don't have to go far. 2 Samuel 21. Now, I've got to read these. You've got to hear this. 2 Samuel 21, starting in verse 15. Now, David's got four stones that he could do with whatever he wanted to. <laughs> Right? He could make a ring, uh, a squash blossom, whatever he wanted to do. And I wonder what he did with them. And it's not so much those four stones as it is the symbolic, the, the symbolism, what's the word I'm looking for, of God's power in those stones. So in verse 15, 2 Samuel 21, 15, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with it. Now at this time, David's 60. He was about 17, 18 with Goliath. Now he's 60. He's 40 years into the future. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. Now David waxed faint not because he was 60. He had killed so many men that day, ridden the world of God's enemies, the giants, that he grew weary in battle. And this big giant, let's go on here in verse 16, and Ishbi Binab, which was of the sons of the giant, 
the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. Now Ishbabinab says he's the sons of the giant. He's a son of Goliath. This is Goliath's bloodline. Now in verse 17, but Abijah, the son of Zariah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushethite, another one of David's men, slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant, another one of Goliath's kids. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of Jair Oregim, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There's another one. This guy is another one of, of uh, Goliath's uh, kinfolks. Verse 20, And there was as yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant, a relative of uh, Goliath. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the brother of David, David's nephew, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Now David, so here's four giants. David had four more stones left. 60, he's 60 years old now. 40 years later, he come, and by the way, these are the last four battles they had with giants. And David, I mean, the way I see it, God had provided some things for David, and because David was a man of God, he hung on to that stuff. Now, I'm not saying he kept those rocks in his pocket, but I'll bet you the thing about him killing Goliath with that stone, with a sling, I'll bet you that rode pretty heavy in his heart. Like I say, I would have kept those four rocks in my pocket. But David, uh, with four more stones, which fulfills the five smooth stones, finished off the bloodline, of Goliath. <clears throat> when you read your Bible and you, and you run upon little pearls and little diamonds and little nuggets in there that thrill you, keep them because they might have a lot to do with who you are in Christ. They might have a lot to do with what you can accomplish in the name of Christ. And I believe that's so. All of David's men, it was the anointing on David that enabled him to kill all these giants. And, and you got to know, they wiped out all these giants. I mean, uh, Israel's part of Israel's uh, call of God upon them was to overcome the giants in, the, uh, in Canaan. And uh, David and all his men killing all these giants, the anointing of David working on his men. They received that anointing. They believed for David. They believed for the Lord. And because David was doing the Lord's work and had all the confidence in the world, 
because he kept slaying all these uh, giants, uh, his men were able to come up along beside him and kill these giants. We just read here in Second Samuel 21 how his men came along beside him and wiped these giants. These were the last four battles. Each one of these battles with these uh, four giants I just named, each one of those was a different battle. And they wiped out the, the last four tribes of, of uh, Goliath's family. Now, look, just go right across the page there, 2 Samuel 23. Uh, David is speaking. Let me start here. Let me start in 23, verse 1. Now, these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, still talking about David, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, the spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. This is the message David received from the Lord. The man that, that, uh, that rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing up out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. Now David here is cutting himself down. He's saying, I'm no more than I am. I'm not, I'm not the good guy that God would have me to do. But he has still stood in covenant with me. Ordered me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. David is saying, I'm not near what God would have me to be. And he still is doing what I do. David, even look at all the sins that David got forgiven. What, because he stuck with the word. Because he followed God. He held to what the Lord had called him to do. But let me say in verse 6 and, six and 7, But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. The sons of Belial, the kids of the devil, these evil, wicked people. They cannot be taken with hands, but the man that shall touch them must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. He's talking about uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about anointed of the Lord. If you're going to fight with evil, you've got, you've got to come in with these gloves and these to handle with these... Uh, these thorns and these briars of the, the evil, wicked people who come against God. And the only protection we have against people like that is the Spirit of God. So it's because of David's relationship to God, because of his willingness to follow, to stay in the Word, to lead in, in an anointed attitude, and to perform in God's will is, is why this stuff worked. Now in Acts 19... We're fine. I just want you to see what it is to stay in, in the light of the Lord. Acts 19, verses 13 
14 and 15, I think. It says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So these, these, these Jews, these sons of Sceva, they come along to jump on some of these bad uh, demonic people and they were going to uh, exercise them. And there were seven, in verse 14, and there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I have not let that happen to me yet. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's what I set my hand to when I give my life to Christ. But you see, these people didn't have that spirit. They didn't have the knowledge of the word. When you have the knowledge of the word... Uh, just turn right over to the fifth chapter of Acts. The whole thing that, that I'm wanting to make the point about is, is knowing God and knowing the Word. I believe that when you know the when you stand in the Word so uh, decidedly, so obligated, so uh, uh, dedicated to God, I, I believe that the more you fill up with, the stronger in the Holy Ghost you become. Now, uh, Kenneth Hagin preaches that exact thing, but let me show you these scriptures. I won't ask you to believe somebody else. I want you to believe the Word. Acts 5, uh, 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, I'm breaking in the middle of things, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. You don't have to have the church lay hands on you for you to receive the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing to do. I would never talk bad about that. But if you know the Word, you know God, and God knows you. Galatians 4, 9, Paul says to know and be known of God. How does God come to know you? Just because you know Him. You do what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures are doors. You step through those doors and perform in God's will. You do the things that God outlines in the scriptures. It's a great thing to know the word. Who are you going to tell? What are you going to do with it? I don't know. Now, last week, whenever that was that we graduated SMTI, I made a statement. And, and I've never been more serious in my life. It's a thing that's a life thing to me. John 14, 20. One, Jesus is speaking, and I, I can take this right out of context because it's a complete thought. Jesus is speaking, and he said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him 
and will manifest myself to him. You will see God. If you know his word and keep his word and perform in his word and fulfill his will, his purpose being accomplished in your ministry, you will even see God. Now in verse 24, he says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Jesus speaking. Now some of y'all may remember, probably don't, but Romans 8. I used this scripture that night, Romans 8, 28. See, these are all normal. This is not, I didn't dig stuff out of here that we don't know. I want to shine some light on the things that are common to us as believers, as Christians. Romans 8, 28. Uh, Simple statement. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Who did Jesus say loves God? The people who has his commandments and keeps them. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The reason God gives us his word is for us to step into it, to perform in it, to know it, to receive it, and to be empowered by that. God's grace comes to those who turn to follow his word. The minute you come into line with God, covenant, when you come into covenant with God, the minute you come into covenant with God, the Holy Ghost comes behind you and grace covers you. Probably every need you can think of if you operate in the will of God. Covenant, covenant, covenant. Everything's covenant. It's all covenant. Tit for tat. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So now he, he died for me while I was a sinner, and now I'm not a sinner. I believe for him what he did. And so he blessed me, and he called me to do some things, and I went and did them, and, and I read them in the book. I tried to do everything like he wanted me to. I know what he said, and that's why I do it. And that's why we should read the book. I know a lot of people, it's hard to read the Bible. But uh, it just takes a little bit to get over that hump. I mean, it really does. It just takes, you've got to just say, this is the time that I sit and read. And you sit and read. But those four stones, I wanted, I picked uh, Goliath, the story of Goliath, because it's a story we're all familiar with. But how many people have told you about the four stones? A lot of people didn't read down that deep. If we read that deep, we know these kind of things. And and don't you know that God blesses you for knowing that? For speaking that? To walking in that? I hope he does. I spend a lot of time searching it out. I've been knowing this for years. I've never heard another person preach that. I've never heard another person say that was the, the way it went. It's an act of worship to read the Word, to know God, to serve God. So many different things we can do that please God. You can do a lot more if you know what they are. Sometimes we don't know what they are. So, anyway, I'm done. Uh, 
Read. I got to tell you, if, if, if you're going to do anything with God, you got to read. You got to have the word. You got to know the word. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.